0: Thank you Chapter 7. Jeffs I don't think I ever saw Till Morgan smile. Let me rephrase that. I don't think I ever saw her smile because of me. Anything I did, anything I didn't do, anything I did right, anything I may have done wrong, anything she may have found amusing, she may have smiled. She may even have laughed. I just don't remember it. She didn't speak to me then, standing in the common market, holding her hand so that I could swear my undying allegiance to her. Okay, it wasn't quite like that, but might as well have been. Down on one knee! Say the oath, dog! Say it! Didn't go off like that at the time, but I'm sure you get the idea. Did I know what the hell I was doing? No, of course not. But that's hardly the point. The point is that I was Shanghai. So she didn't say anything to me as I sat at that table at the common market, the scent of hunger's food still fresh on my hands. She only spoke to Beowulf Drake, thanked him for his services. I'm not repeating her exact words because I don't remember what she said. I only remember that she thanked him. I only remember her voice. Not the words. Her voice. Rich, deep, born of the earth. How to describe. This was the voice of someone who is born to lead, who is used to giving orders, someone who is used to being obeyed without question or comment. She said nothing to me, only turned and began to walk away. I wanted to follow her. I wanted to spring from that table and walk on her shadow, like an excitable puppy, to look at her heel if she would but give me the chance. I looked at Beowulf, not knowing what to do, not understanding. He had brought me to this place. Was I free to go? To leave? Did I want to? Where would I go? What would I do? What was this place? Well, go on. That was the only permission I needed. I followed after Dale Morgan, reaching her before she disappeared into the crowd. She didn't look to see if I was there, as if she knew I would be. As if it was so natural that I would follow after her, that there was never even the slightest doubt in her that I would be waiting for her to notice, waiting for her to acknowledge, waiting for heaven's grace. I followed her to the train station, just as I would have followed her to the end of the world. We waited for the train, a special belching smoke, whistle so mournful that it was like nothing you've ever heard issue from a train before. The train was for us alone. Well, for her. I was just along for the ride. She didn't speak to me then. Only looked out the window, watching the hills float by. We returned to the city, walked its streets. Forget about the box, okay? And the beach. Never saw it again. We exited the subway, left the underground. Del Morgan led me to her penthouse. As high above the street as you can get and not have the sky and the stars beneath your feet. My new home. Don't try to find the place on a map. This particular apartment building is in that part of the city which exists just around the corner. Over there. Keep going. You've almost found it. It's the second one on the right straight on till morning. Yeah, that's the place. Lobby's impressive. No, it's not. Very nondescript. You would never guess the importance of the people living there if you did actually manage to stumble across the place. Small. Gray walls. Potted plant dying in the corner. Smells like piss. The lobby, not the plant. One guy sitting behind a dinky desk that looks like it was made out of old newspaper and then varnished. Guy looks like a disgraced linebacker. Looks so bored that he doesn't even blink when Del Morgan walks toward the elevator. That's Dor. Think of him like a concierge at a hotel. You have a question? You Need anything? Ask him. He'll set you up. Tell you how to get it. Anything. So I give the guy a closer look as we wait for the elevator. He returns the look with barely a turn of his head, as if he can size me up just from the corner of his eye. He has a voice like twenty pounds of old gravel. Jaffs? Yeah, Dor, use my new Jaffs. All evidence to the contrary, Dor is really a nice guy. Like Dale Morgan said, if you need something, Dor can deliver. Your continued happiness and welfare is his purpose in life. I should also point out that Dor doesn't work directly for Dale Morgan. He belongs to the building. Till I learned otherwise, I thought he was part of the building. Because he is part of the building's staff and is so well respected by the tenants, he can get away with saying shit like Jaffs. Took me a while to figure out what he meant was my first clue that maybe I wasn't going to like the place. Well, not my first. Just another... <laughs> servant. Can't even say the word. No one has directed at me. Just another F with an ing on the end servant. And this next part's cliche. Ugly downtrodden lobby. Opulent penthouse apartment. Ooh, never would have seen that one coming. Elevator was a bit of a rat hole. It's a little nicer than the lobby, but not by much. After all, the elevator opened on the lobby. Why, we can't have the scum thinking the lobby is trash, but look at that elevator. They might catch on. Personally, I never understood the theory of Hell's Lobby. They can stand on the street and see the really swank building, right? So where are they trying to fool? I gave up trying to understand them a long time ago. Oh, the penthouse. It's huge. It's grand. must take up the top couple of floors. Elevator doors open and wow, check out the spread. Well, not quite. Elevator opens onto little foyer. Thing looks just about as blasted as the lobby. Then you get the door to the penthouse open. Little coat closet just inside the door must be as big as my entire apartment, my old apartment. The one I used to live in before I took a little walk on a beach. There are two women waiting for us. One of them takes Del Morgan's coat and places it in the closet. Now I know what you're thinking. Two women, one short, the other's tall, right? Maybe one's skinny and the other's fat? Oh, they must be twins. No, not even close. They're not fair folk proper, but some stuff does seem to have rubbed off on them. Hell, stuff has rubbed off on me. So what do they look like? Let me just say this and then I'll give up on trying to describe anyone ever again. Sometimes they are men. And sometimes they are women. The annoying thing is that their names never change. That may be the only way to keep track of them. Hannah and Romana, my housekeepers, this is Drake. That was it, end of introductions. Hannah and Romana took one look at me as if they hated my guts and then wandered off, as if they didn't need Del Morgan's permission to disappear. They're always very busy, I've noticed. What, with a place this size and only two housekeepers? (laughs) Ha ha ha, they're busy. Interesting tidbit. Del Morgan doesn't have a cook. That surprised me at first. You would think that someone as well off as Del Morgan would have some kind of master chef preparing all our meals. No, it doesn't happen. Del Morgan cooks all her own food. She didn't strike me as a cooking type. I didn't even believe her at first. Now I know better. There's a very good reason why she prepares all her own food. Remember what I said about the fair folk not being above poisoning a rival. Among the fair folk, find a survivor, one who has played the game long and hard. You'll find yourself a gourmet chef. I take that back. Sounds like another cliche. I'll tell you what. If you believe that someone who cooks all her own food to avoid poisoning would eat gruel for three meals a day, then she eats gruel. If you believe that someone who cooks all her own food to avoid poisoning would become a rockin' good cook, then she can whip out food like you wouldn't believe. Master the Spicer Act, too. Oh, and I didn't get a tour of the place. I'd be left to my own devices for exploring, but that doesn't happen yet. She takes me to a living room, entertaining room, sidebar, or whatever you want to call it. There is furniture and paintings on the wall. Really nice multimedia system. Anyway, I think it was more of a servant's living room than for guests. You are my personal assistant, not directly attached to the household staff. A gopher, if you will. If I need something, I send you to fetch it. Deliver messages, sort my mail. It's a hard job. I'll be sending you on a lot of errands. Difficult tasks. That's why I acquired you. You survived the lands beyond. You should have little problem here. Many things you see will be new to you. I'm not going to lead you by the hand. You'll have to sort things out as you go. Ask door. I'm not going to repeat myself on this. You're going to have to remember to ask door on your own. Oh, and one more thing. I don't need you. I want to make that perfectly clear. Don't think you're special. There's nothing you can do that I cannot do for myself. As if to prove her point, she sticks her hand in my chest and rips out my heart. No shit! I can't believe it! Hurts like hell. One minute, she's giving me that
1: stupid welcome to the family speech. Next, she reaches over, her fingers sink into my chest, I can't describe it. Hurts like you wouldn't believe, I can hear bones crack as she digs through my breastplate blood. Slimy with blood, I can feel her reaching around in my chest, and ring on her finger. She's got my heart, she's got my heart, I can feel her fingers slipping around it. Boom! There's this great sucking sound and then pop! She's holding my heart in her hand. I feel. I can't scream. I'm looking at my heart, still pumping, blood
0: slurping onto the floor. I'll keep this someplace safe. Can't have anyone just up and killing you now, can we? I want to talk.
1: I want to scream. I want to cry out. My whole shirt front is soaked. There's this great gaping maw on my chest, oozing fluid, spitting blood. I have a draft. My heart in her hand continues to beat. I can feel her fingers touching it. They're warm and slippery. Don't
0: drop me! That's another thing you may have noticed. You cannot speak unless someone gives you permission, asks you a direct question, that sort of thing. It's true. I open my mouth, find no words, no voice,
1: just a rasping sound like an engine that is about to die. I'm on my knees looking at the blood, trying to... I feel shards bouncing into my flesh.
0: Look at this mess. Well, don't just sit there. Clean yourself up. It
1: hurts. It hurts so much it burns. I've got my hand over the hole, trembling fingers, feeling voids like with blood. I want to puke. I want to vomit hot blood, choking, rasping. All I can do
0: is look at her. What are you waiting for? Clean yourself up. I paid five million dollars for you. If you can't handle this, then you're dead to me. A waste of good money should crush your heart right now before you have a chance to embarrass me. Oh shit. Oh god. Oh fuck me. I don't want to die. I can't do
1: this. There's a great gaping hole in my chest. I can feel my heart beat. Oh god. I can feel her fingers squeezing. Squeezing the life from me. I'm alive. I can feel my heart fingers. Blood still pumping. Just close the wound. It's like shape-shifting. Hey, get off your ass you. Fuck you dumb shit. You can do this. You're alive. Feel the pain telling you you want to live. Feel the blood flow pumping in your veins. Heart's in her hand. It's in her hand, but it's still working. You're alive, like shape-shifting, shape-shifting. Close the wound. I know you feel void. Feel your heart. It's over there, but it's, it's it's in you. Bind bones, men's skin. Close the void. Feel your heartbeat. You can breathe
0: again. That's better. You may turn out to be a good investment, yet yeah. With that, she turns and leaves, my heart in her hand. I gasp for air, try to stand
1: to slip on my own blood, smear the floor, flounder for the couch, and as I lie there, breathing, feeling my heart, I saw her lick her arm. I remember, as she left the room, she had licked the blood that I tripped down her arm. Her tongue touched my heart. I turn my head, look. Romana's there, with a mop and a pail. She starts wiping the blood on the floor, and she looks at me. Looks as if she wants to find my heart, eat it from Del Morgan's outstretched hand. And that's all I remember.
0: This audio recording of the fearful Gideon, pin the tail on the donkey is copyright 2010 by Keith T. Jones.